So if you have your Bibles, Jeremiah 32, 27. <clears throat> Jeremiah 32, 27. You know, I made up my mind the other day that I'm not just going to preach the same sermon all year, but I'm going to preach a lot this year on faith because we have a lot of people that go to church every single Sunday, every Wednesday when the doors are open, and it's almost like they don't have any faith at all. You know, it's amazing to me how people, they make God so small, and it's like they limit him. You know, Jesus one time was in his own hometown, couldn't do any mighty works and miracles because of people's lack of faith and unbelief. And I just want people to know that God's still in control. Jesus still sits at the right hand of the Father, and he's still the God of impossibility. So I want to talk about that tonight. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? If you would, bow your heads with me tonight. Lord, I pray you have your way here tonight. God, I pray you touch us, Lord, from the top of our head, Lord Jesus, down to the soles of our feet. God, I pray that you remind us that you are the God of impossibilities. God, I pray that we will have faith and we will walk by faith. And we will just allow you to do in our lives what it is that you want to do. Help us not to question, help us not to worry, help us not take our eyes off you and put it on the storm or the things that are going on around us. But Lord, through it all, help us in 2019 to walk by faith and not by sight and believe for you to do the impossible things in our lives. In your mighty name, we ask and we pray. Let everybody say amen. amen. The God of impossibilities. It's amazing how when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden in the very beginning, how it would seem that it was impossible that there would ever be redemption for mankind. They were banished from the garden. But however, before the foundation of the earth, the Bible says in Revelation 13 and 8, the, the lamb was slain. Meaning that God knew that they would sin one day in the garden. But however, he had already prepared a way and he knew that one day he would send his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And it's amazing when you think about how an angel came to Mary and told Mary that she would be that she would give birth to a son. And she says, how is this possible when I've never known a man? I've never even been with a man. And you have some people that they really struggle with the Christian faith because they say, how could a woman um, give birth to a child when she was a virgin? But however, for you and us to be Christians, we have to have faith. Amen. You may not have a whole lot of faith at times, but you have to have some amount of faith because you've never seen nor walked with Christ in the flesh. The Bible says the book of Hebrews Without faith, it's impossible to please God. It also says in another place in one of the four Gospels, it says faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. So simply to be a Christian, you have to have some amount of faith. But I want to ask you here tonight, whenever you are facing impossible circumstances and situations, do you have faith then? Amen. It's easy to have a lot of faith when you're like on top of a mountaintop. I'm talking about when you're having a mountaintop experience and everything's going great, everything's going wonderful. You got money in your bank account, things at your job are going well, your friends and family are getting along, and you don't have a lot of drama or problems in your life. But it's when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a tribulation, when things aren't really making sense, when you're going to church faithfully and you're praying and it seems like your prayers aren't getting any higher than the ceiling and it seems like every time you take a step forward you take three steps back i want to ask you then what is your faith like amen when you find yourself not on top of the mountain but in the middle of the valley storms are all around you everybody's left you forsake you it seems like honestly that nobody really cares what is your faith like then in my life there have been many times where i just purely just had to walk by faith, and just believe God for the impossible. There have been many things in my life that I've done that haven't really made sense. 
I believe I shared this with you um, last year, but I'll share it with you again. I bought a Toyota Camry back in March 28th of last year. Before then, I'd been driving an old beater car, a Honda Accord, had 300 plus thousand miles. As you know, I travel and preach a lot, and I was getting ready to go preach a revival in Emory, Texas. And a mentor of mine, he told me, he said, Caleb, he said, I really feel like you need to rent a car. And my response, you gonna pay for it? And he said, no. And I told him, I said, I rented a car five times last year, and I said, it's just annoying because it's 150, sometimes 200 plus dollars, and I just really don't want to rent a car. And he said, well, Caleb, okay, he said, what happens if going to Texas, if your car breaks down on you in Mississippi, Louisiana, and you never make it to the revival? I said, well, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. So I thought about it and I prayed about it. And honestly, I just felt like I should drive my car. Does it really make sense to drive a car with that many miles that far? No, absolutely not. But I just really felt like that I should. And so my mentor, he's like, Caleb, he said, I really wish you would rent a car. He said, but since you won't, don't want to pay for it. He said, I'll just be praying for you. I said, thank you. I said, I'm going to be driving by faith. The Bible says in Corinthians, walk by faith. But in this instance, I'm going to be driving by faith. And so I get out there and preaching revival at a church from Sunday morning to Wednesday night. Preach Sunday morning, preach Sunday night. The pastor comes, picks me up Monday for lunch. We go out to eat. And we stop by this tire place, this tire shop, and he gets out and he shows this guy a picture on his phone. I couldn't see the picture from where I was standing, so I didn't know whose tire it was. I just assumed it was a tire for his wife's vehicle. He asked the guy, he said, do you have four tires in this size? The guy says, yes. He gets back in his truck. We go eat lunch. I don't think anything of it. I forget about it. We go back. He drops me off at the place I was staying, and he told me, he said, Caleb, well, before you ever came out here, he said, the Holy Ghost told me to buy you four new tires for your vehicle, and I desperately needed tires at that time. And he said, God told me that before you ever came out here, but he said, last night after service, he said, I never told my wife about it. I never mentioned it to her, and randomly, as we were driving home, she said, honey, I feel like God would want us to buy the evangelist four tires for his car. And he said, Caleb, he said, that was confirmation from God. Now, why am I telling you this? If I would have drove a rental car, I would have got four new tires for my vehicle. So logically, would it make sense to drive that far in that type of car? No. Was it a risk? Um, was it, uh, I guess you could say maybe a bit of a gamble or whatever? Yes, it was. But the reason that I did it is because I prayed about it and I just felt at peace about it. And I felt that God was telling me to drive my car. Did it make logically sense? No. When you think about the Bible, really, there's a lot of things in the Bible honestly make, logically, make, make logical sense. Think about it. You have the children of Israel that God had just delivered them from Pharaoh and the dictatorship of, of Egypt. And so here it is. They come to the Red Sea. The people are looking at Moses like, Moses, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? He raises his rod and his staff. For what? What is that supposed to do? Oh, nothing much except simply part the water so they are able to walk across safely. Then when Moses tries, God parts the waters back down. Think about later in the story. They come to the walls of Jericho. They march around it seven times. That place was so securely shut that nobody could come in. Nobody could go out. At the end of seven days and they blew the trumpets, the walls came tumbling down. David and Goliath. You have this man by the name of Goliath, which they called him champion. Why? Because he was undefeated. Nobody was able to stand against him. Nobody ever won against him. And so finally, they send a small little shepherd boy to go up against this mighty warrior. Saul tries to put uh, armor on him. 
David can't even move in the armor. He takes it off. But he said, I've killed a lion. He said, I've killed a bear and I'm about to kill this giant. Would it make sense to allow this teenager, this boy, this young man to go face a giant that grown men were scared of? There were times in the Bible, might I remind you, that the Israelites saw Goliath coming and they literally would turn around and run the opposite direction because they were so scared. So does it make sense to allow a young man to go face this giant? No, but why did David do it and why was he able to kill him? Because he went by faith. Can I tell you, there are just sometimes in life you just got to trust God and walk by faith. Amen. Just simply, you just got to believe God. It may not make sense to people. People may try to talk you out of it. Can I tell you one thing that I have learned along the way when I share an idea with somebody that God gives me or comes from the Holy Ghost or something that I'm feeling in my spirit. Whenever I share something with somebody and they say, Caleb, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think you're going to do it. I'm thinking, praise God, there's my confirmation that I need to do it. Because honestly, it's when everybody agrees with me. It's when everybody thinks it's a great idea. Then I kind of wonder, well, maybe I'm missing God because the truth be told, I don't know about you, but in my life in general, if I'm not walking by faith, if I'm not pushing the envelope, if I'm not believing God for the impossible, truth be told, I'm not really doing anything, you know, but we have people that come from two different type of mentalities. You have people, they rather just sit in the boat, so to speak, and play it safe and just enjoy their time there, like most of the disciples. But then you have Peter. That one day he saw Jesus walking on the water. He was fearful, thought it was a ghost. And he said, Lord, he said, if it is you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, it is I come. And then Peter gets out of the boat and get, begins to walk by faith toward Jesus. Think about it. Most of the disciples, the rest of them did not. The Bible only speaks of Peter walking on the water. I don't know about you, but 2019, I'd rather try big things for God I'd rather it fail. I'd rather embarrass myself. I'd rather everybody talk about me and say, Caleb Gordon's off his rocker, this and that. I'd rather try something big from God this year, look like a total failure, look like a fool, an imbecile, than to sit in a boat and never do anything for God and wonder what might have God had done in my life if I actually walked by faith. Now, I understand most people, this type of sermon ain't going to help most people because truth be told, I could preach all day on faith, Tom Bull in the face. Some of you, you still ain't going to do it. You're going to be in the same place you've always been. You're always going to play it cool. You're always going to be comfortable. You're going to be like a lot of people and say, it's just got to make sense. Forget that nonsense of worrying about it making sense. If God tells you to do something, just do it. Amen. So I want to encourage you this year to walk by faith. This year, I'm doing it even more than last year. There were times last year that I did a number of things and I saw how God came through and the things that he did. And I really got to thinking around October, November of 2017, I mean, 2018. And I said, and I was talking to a best friend of mine on the phone and I was just going through the year. I told him about the tire story in Texas and many, many other things. I said, God has done all of these things in my life, all of these miracles this past year. And I said, I wonder if 2019, if I walk by faith even more, what will he do? Now, understand, I'm not talking about you can't manipulate God. You can't just snap your finger and tell him what you want and stuff like that. But no, I'm talking about when you've prayed, when you fasted, when you've heard from the Holy Spirit, when you feel he's put something in your spirit you can't get away from and you've sought him and, and you've done that time and time again and you feel that you should do something. I'm talking about then will you walk by faith and not by sight. When Peter was walking toward Jesus on the water, as long as he was walking by faith, he was fine. Faith is the only thing that kept him from going under. He didn't start to sink 
in the water until he took his eyes off Christ and put him on his current situation and circumstance. So that tells me for 2019, if I keep my eyes on Christ and I just keep walking toward him, who's the author and the finisher of my faith, it's all going to be okay. And it's all going to work out the way that he wanted it to. Just think about it. Billy Graham. Think about the ministry that that man had. It's like impossible for them to even calculate how many people has been saved under his ministry. I had, there was, um, there was this one guy, he's now a pastor, but he was a former uh, youth pastor. And he told me he got saved by watching Billy Graham on TV. They can't calculate those people because they don't know how many. But just think about that. Him and three other or four other friends, I forget exactly, they decided they were going to start doing their own revivals, their own crusades. I'm sure there was some naysayer, there's somebody that was negative saying, well, it's not going to be a good idea. If people don't come to church, why would they come here? You in a, in a tent or out in the middle of the open or whatever. Think about if Billy Graham would have listened to them instead of listening to God. You know, it's, it's amazed how we hear of, of these things that people do for God and we say, man, that's great. That's wonderful. There's something special about them. There's nothing special about anybody. Amen. There ain't nothing special about Billy Graham. There's nothing special about Moses. Not about David. Think about it. Moses murdered a man, but yet God selected him to lead the children of Israel across the Red Sea. David was an adulterer. He was an adulterer and a murderer, but he was a man after God's own heart. Paul was once a murderer, but became a great apostle. Peter, he cussed, he swore, he cut a man's ear off, denied Christ three times. But however, though, on the day of Pentecost, that was the mighty man of God that stood up, preached one sermon, and literally thousands of people got saved and baptized. As the church began, what is special about them? Simply they made themselves available. People say, well, I don't have any special abilities. Well, the best ability is availability. The Bible says, the book of Isaiah, whom shall we send? And that's when the prophet said, Lord, here I am, send me. I want to ask you, 2019, have you made yourself available to the Lord? I mean, fully 100% available where you said, God, here I am. Do with my life whatever it is you want to do. I'm willing to go and to do anything that you want me to do. I told you this before, but when I prayed that prayer and I said those exact words when I was 15 years old, 30 seconds later, God called me to preach. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, honestly, because you don't know what God may tell you. Youth camp, tears running down my eyes. I said, God, whatever you want to do with my life, do it. And he said, Caleb, I've called you to be evangelist. You'll go to the east and to the west. And I took those words that the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I placed them tight in my heart. And then just months later, when I told people what God had told me, people would laughed in my face at 15 years old. You would have thought they'd been encouraging. And some people were. I had people tell me things like, you're not even out of high school yet. You don't have a driver's license. You don't come from nobody in your family's ever been a preacher. How are you going to do it? And I told them, I said, thanks for your suggestions. Don't really care how you feel. Now, I understand this was me back then, not now. I still think these things. Try not to say them out loud. But I'm thinking to myself, you can go jump in a creek. I'm going to move with God and do what it is that he called me to do. I don't care about your opinion. I don't care what you think. I don't care how you feel. No offense, but your wisdom to me ain't worth the price of a Happy Meal. Last time I check that's three dollars and some change when God tells me something he puts it in my spirit you can't talk me out of it you can't change my mind because if I've already heard from the Holy Spirit in heaven I'm gonna walk by faith and not by sight keep my eyes on Christ and trust him every single step of the way and then I'm gonna see him do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle Ephesians 3:20. do you firmly believe that that God is able to do 
abundantly above anything you could ever ask or think. See, one thing that I've noticed in church is people think it's something great and wonderful to brag about the fact that they can quote a Bible verse. Can I be honest? God's not impressed because you can quote a Bible verse. My seven-year-old son can quote Bible verses. But God is moved when people move by faith and they don't just go from quoting a verse they've heard 1,500 times, but they actually start living it and they start walking it out. Amen. Can I just be honest? I don't mean this in a negative way, but I just want to ask you. See, I'm an extremist. I, I kind of feel this way. I always have been. Either I'm going to go to church, I'm going to be a Christian, I'm going to be all in, or my goodness, I'm going to do something else with my life. You know, honestly, me going to preach at churches doesn't really fulfill me that much. What really helps me and fulfills me is when I see people take the words that I preach and they actually apply them to their life. I get so bored and sick and tired, honestly, going to churches and preach. And some people act like that I'm an entertainer. And I think to myself, I didn't go through all this. I didn't pray. I didn't study. I didn't fast. I didn't drive hours and hours to get to your church just for you to sit there and listen to me and not apply. I want to preach to people that will take this thing seriously and that will live it out and believe God to do something supernatural in their lives. You may say, well, God can't do nothing through me. My friend, God could use a rock if he wanted to. But aren't you thankful here tonight that he wants to use you in a supernatural, phenomenal way? I don't know about you, but I'm just believing God for great things this year. I'm believing God that people are going to get out of wheelchairs. I'm believing God that prodigal sons and daughters that are my age are going to finally come back home. And I'm talking about to the church and men that are walking relationship with God. I believe in broken marriages are going to be put back together. I'm believing that alcoholics are going to be sober and they're not going to want to touch it again and they're going to get drunk off the Holy Spirit. I'm believing that people that have been bound up in drugs and addiction for the last however many years, they're going to step into the presence of God and they're going to feel something and not just feel, but experience something they've never felt before. And that is the awesome power of the gospel. I am believing God for nothing less than the impossible this year. Amen. I don't know what the year has, has to offer. I don't know what's going to come my way. I'm believing God for some big things. I'm believing God. I don't know if it'll happen in 19. Maybe it'll happen in 2020. But I'm believing God one day I'm going to have my own service. I'm going to have my own revival. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to have it at a church. I don't know where I'm going to have it at. Someone said, why don't you want to have it at church? Several reasons. One, if I have it at church, I got to do what the pastor tells me to. I want to have my own revival, my own service. If I want to have worship for 40 minutes, I can have it for 40 minutes. I'll find me a worship team. If I want to preach for an hour and a half, two hours, I'll preach as long as I want to. Because, I, you know, people tell me, well, we got to respect people's time. I couldn't care less about respecting anybody's time. There's people spending all eternity in hell that wish they heard the word repent one more time. Amen. Now, understand something. It's not about time and service. I know uh, about how long the service lasts. There's been times I preached 15 minutes and we had an hour and a half altar call. But simply this year, I'm just believing God for great things. Okay, well, where are you going to hold your service at? I don't know. It may be under a bridge in Birmingham, me preaching to five homeless people. We may have revival under the bridge and start there. If some of you are laughing or thinking I'm being cute or funny, I'm being as serious as I can be. There was one man in history, he used to go and he used to just start praying in public places. Blows my mind because nowadays, 2019, everybody's got to be politically correct. I mean, you know, people got to fight over who's going to say the blessing at the table because, you know, somebody's so afraid they're going to offend somebody sitting beside them. But this man would go and pray in public places 
and revival would take place. You believe in God for the impossible this year? I want you to ask yourself the question, what is something that God's been speaking to you about? What is the area that he's been pushing you, he's been prompting you, he's been wanting you to walk by faith, and for one reason or another, you just haven't done it yet? I want to ask you, will you start to do it this year? Will you start tonight? Amen. You don't have to wait to a certain time. See, the devil wants you to think, well, you just put it off. And it's been proven that in the brain, one problem that we have with walking by faith is we have a thought about doing something and instantly our brain begins to try to rationalize why we shouldn't do it if it's going to push us out of our comfort zone. It's been proven instantly. But I want to ask you here tonight, will you step out of your comfort zone and just do whatever it is God is telling you to do? Think about it. It may be something small. I'm not even talking about it. It don't have to be big things. I'm talking about just small things. First off, a lot of times, and maybe you disagree with me, just my personal opinion, a lot of times God's going to ask you to do something small before he asks you to do something big because if he just asked you to do something big, you wouldn't do it in the first place anyways. But if God can't even trust you to walk by faith in the small things, then why would he ask you to do the big things? But I want to ask you the small things when he asks you to. When he asks you to pull a 20 out of your pocket and give it to somebody in need, and instantly your brain starts thinking, well, I don't know how they're going to spend it. Who cares how they spend it? My goodness, I give people money as I felt led. Somebody said, what, they go buy beer, cigarettes, or whatever. I couldn't care less what they do with it. If God told me to do it, my goodness, he already knows how they're going to use it in the first place. Second off, the main part of is he wants to see if I'm being faithful, if I'm going to listen to him and obey. See right there, the brain starts saying one thing, but simply I just listen to the Holy Spirit. If God prompts you to go witness to somebody, will you go do it? You say, well, they turned me down last time. Will you invite somebody to church that doesn't want any part of church? Well, I've invited them. They haven't come again, but here it is. I feel like God's leading me to do it. I'm just asking you, whatever it is, small, big, every little day-to-day -day different things in life, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, leading you and prompting you, will you do whatever it is that he speaks to you to do? It was by faith that this church was built. Amen. I don't really know the story of Evangel and how it got built. Don't know who started. Don't know who the first pastor was. But I do know about my church, Pleasant Grove Church of God. That church was started. Jerry Langford is the first pastor. There was one person that was even bold enough to say there will never be a church of God in Pleasant Grove. Well, we just had our 40 of something anniversary a couple years ago coming up on 50. See, people are going to say things. But you have to make up your mind. Are you going to be tuned into the world and their voices and all the noise that's in it? Are you going to be tuned into the spirit? You know, people, um, I've had people tell me not to do things, and I just do it anyways when I feel God telling me. Years ago, I was, I was praying, and I was just seeking God about my evangelism ministry because it's different now than it used to be. Used to, you could just preach in one state, and you'd preach every single week out of the year. Well, nowadays, less churches have Sunday night services. Some churches don't even have Wednesday night service. Like, they have Sunday morning, that's it. And so because of that, it limits down like evangelists and pastors having guest speakers because they're thinking, if I just have one, two services a week, I need to preach every, every service. So I can understand. Well, anyways, 
People always told me, they said, if you want to be busy as an evangelist, you're going to have to start preaching out of Alabama so you can always have a full calendar. So I prayed about it, and I said, I'm going to go preach in Kentucky. Someone said, you don't know anybody in Kentucky. I said, you're right. But I said, God told me to. So I ended up going to Kentucky. I go to this conference. I don't know anybody. I go, I go in, and I walk in. I'm thinking to myself, I don't know any of these people. Maybe I made a mistake. One person tried to talk me out of it. They said, you're going to a conference in another state. They said, you're going to have to pay for your own hotel, your own food, the gas up there. Nobody's going to know you. What if it doesn't work out? I said, well, God told me to do it. And honestly, if it don't work out, I'm always up for adventure. It's just my personality. It'll be a lot of fun. I go up there. Years later, fast forward, I've preached more in the state of Kentucky than any other state. Amen. I'm just telling you, friends, it's all by faith. There are so many things in my life. You've heard some of them in sermons. I've mentioned a couple tonight. But truth be told, I don't have enough time to stand up here tonight and to tell you all the miracles I've seen God do in my life in the last couple of years, much less just in 2018. My faith is at an all-time high because I've seen how God has moved. But to be honest, 2018, it's in the past. 17, 16, it's over with, it's done with, I don't want to think about it anymore because I'm believing God has even better things in store. Amen. I want to ask you here tonight, are you believing God for the impossible in your life and in your church? Think about this. This is your church. This is the place you come to worship every single week, service after service, week after week, year after year. This is where you put your tithes, your offering, your time, your energy. Some of you, this is like your second home. You've been, some of you have been here since you were kids. Truth be told, fast forward 50 years from now, if Jesus don't come back, say we're all 70 years old, some of you will still be sitting in this very church. And I want to ask you, are you just going to sit here and just go through the motions? Are you going to believe that God has more? Amen. Can I tell you here tonight, God's got more people for you to reach in this city, in this community. You know, one problem that we have with churches in this area, and I have nothing against this one particular church. I got friends that go there. I'll say it to all of them. You know, we have Gardendale First Baptist right down the road. Huge church. Seems like everybody and their mama goes there. People live all the way in Summerton that go to church there. The problem is you have churches that live in this area that think they can't win anybody else to God because everybody goes to Gardendale First Baptist. Trust me, not everybody goes there. There are sinners all around you that don't go anywhere. And I don't know about you, but I want you to believe this upcoming year for a harvest of souls. Amen. But you know one thing about the harvest, though? You don't give the harvest unless you work. Problem is, a lot of people, they don't want to work. They're lazy. They don't want to do nothing. I want to tell you something. If God leads you to do something and you're believing God for a harvest, but you don't want to work, my goodness, that's not faith. That's just being lazy and not wanting to do nothing. And it seems like we got a whole generation of people that don't want to do anything at all. The going gets tough. They just want to quit. You got people, they walk out on their jobs. They get mad and they quit because their boss says something. They don't like the way things are going at the church. The pastor didn't shake their hand or, or something ridiculous or somebody looked at them the wrong way. And truth be told, the person wasn't looking at them mean. They just got indigestion. They're not feeling well, so they got to leave the church and all this other stuff. But I want to tell you, friends, when the going gets tough, keep your eyes on God and believe he's going to move in a way you've never seen him. Amen. I don't know about you. 
But I want to see God do something in 2019 that I've yet to seen him do. I don't know what that is exactly. I don't know what it's going to look like. But that's what I'm believing God for. My inner circle of people, I did, it's actually kind of like this, very, very small, very small. I'm nice, I'm friendly to everybody, but truth be told, there's only a few people that I allowed to, to really, really get close to me. And the reason why is because I don't need a bunch of negative voices in my head. Amen. I don't share a lot of my dreams or aspirations with people. And I'm not even talking about, I'm not talking about sacred stuff, but I'm talking about things in the ministry because even some Christians always have negative stuff to say. The only people that I let speak to me are people that, that are walking by faith, people that are encouraging me. And I want to encourage you right now that this year can be the best year ever, but it's up to you. You know, the word says that faith comes by hearing the word. Some people don't have much faith because they don't hear the word much. I mean, you know, hearing the word on Sunday and Wednesday is not good enough. It's never been good enough. It will never be good enough. And people, I know what people say. Well, we don't have to tell people to pray and to read their Bible. As long as I got breath in my body, I'm always going to tell you to read your Bible more. I'm always going to tell you to pray more. I don't care if you pray seven days a week and read your Bible seven days a week. I don't care how much you're doing. If you're doing an hour of each a day, I would encourage you to do even more. Amen. 2018, it seemed like it was the best year of my life, the best year of ministry. But you know what? I believe that I'm going deeper. And honestly, the Holy Spirit showed me that 2018 was just the tip of the iceberg. And I better get ready because 18 was just getting me ready for what's going to happen in 19. And I don't just believe that for myself. But I believe that for you. Amen. How many of you know that God has a final say so in life? There's a man in my church by the name of Barry Gibson. Barry Gibson. The man had cancer, stage four cancer. Doctors were basically telling the man to go ahead and make his reservations, everything. He wasn't going to make it much longer. The man since then has gone back to work and he's been preaching the gospel. Nothing is impossible for God. My testimony, they never gave me a chance. They said I'd never walk. They said I'd never talk. They said I'd be mentally retarded. Someone had the boldness, the audacity to say, throw that baby into the institute because nothing's ever going to become of him. And here in a couple of months, March 29th, I'm getting ready to celebrate my 30th birthday, my 11th year preaching the word, all because God moved in an impossible situation. I'm alive today and here on this earth because two people by the name of Benny and Patty Gordon had faith that God could radically touch me and heal me. And because of those two people, God intervened. And those two people had to have faith when nobody else would. Their own family members told them, you're crazy. They said, Benny, you're 49 years old. Patty, you're 40. You've got health problems. You've already had cancer once in your life. Your two oldest sons, Andy and John, are grown. They're out of the house. You two don't have much money for where you're at in this stage of life. It's not a good idea. You're white. He's black. People going to have issues with it. This and that. He's having seizures. The doctor gave him no hope. And those two said, we don't care about anybody's opinion. We don't care what our family thinks. But we've heard from God, and we're going to walk by faith. And as a result of that, I'm 
I'm still here and I made up my mind as long as I'm alive on this earth, I'm going to walk by faith. Walking by faith, I may be walking alone. I may be looking around, maybe nobody looking by me but that's, or walking by me. That's okay because there's one that goes before me and he prepares the way. Amen. He says in the last part of the verse, is there anything too hard for me? It's amazing because it's a rhetorical question. God's asking a question he already knows the answer to. And God has a way of doing that sometimes. I can remember one time I was sitting in church and I wanted to be at a conference. All, all my friends was at a conference. I wanted to be at the conference. And here I am having a pity party, acting like a little baby, not worshiping, honestly, not listening to the sermon. Thinking, man, everybody's at this conference and I'm at my home church. And, and, you know, and all this, and all of a sudden God spoke to me. He said, Caleb, if I wanted you to be at the conference, don't you think, I'd be, don't you think you'd be at the conference? I'm like, yeah, you're right. I guess I would be if you wanted me to be. So since you want me to be here, I'll just go ahead and worship the rest of the service and enjoy myself since I'm here. And so I did that. I think about the time that God came to this prophet by the name of Ezekiel, placed him in the valley of the dry bones, and he said, son of man, can these bones live? And his response was, oh, Lord, you alone know the answer. Has there ever been a time where God has asked you a question? It's not that God didn't know the answer to the question, but he's asking you a question because he's trying to get you think, thinking about it. Has God been asking you any questions lately? Has he been asking you when are you going to start something or when are you going to do something? When are you going to just listen and obey? Has the Holy Spirit been talking to you? Some people think that God doesn't speak anymore. But can I tell you, he's alive and he's able. Even if you don't hear a loud, audible voice, He's still speaking to us today through his word. Amen. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I want to ask you here tonight, when's the last time you just got lost in the word? You know, I'm thankful for the Bible app. I get a text message or notification every day of a Bible verse. But I want to ask you, when's the last time you just opened up the word and you just got lost in it. You know, and people that say, well, I've got the Bible on my cell phone. I can look through it. You know, you're right. You can. And maybe this is just me. Maybe I'm just weird. Maybe just a little old fashioned out of date. But just me personally, is this the difference when I'm looking through the Bible app on my phone? And then when I just get alone and just open this up. I want to encourage you tonight. Just open up the word and just get lost in it. You know, one thing I always find comical, this sermon I'm preaching now, you can say it's a topical sermon. Basically, the topic is faith. I used one verse. So you have a bunch of religious Pharisees in the church that say, you shouldn't do that, Caleb. You're preaching out of context. Preach the verse in context. I'm thinking, you don't even know what context is if you ain't read the whole Bible all the way through in the first place. I want to encourage you here tonight to get lost in the word. Because when your faith is low and you go to God in prayer and you're in the word, that is when you're able to keep on going. Amen. Amen. There's only so many words of affirmation that people can give you. I love hearing good sermons. I love worshiping. I love listening to other people preach. But at the end of the day, what keeps me going is when I get along with God one on one and I pray to my father and I feel the Holy Ghost come into the room and speak to me and minister to me. That's what helps me keeps going. Amen. 
When I was going through divorce, when I had to file bankruptcy because I couldn't pay all that stuff on my own anymore, when I thought my life, my ministry was over with, laying in bed, depressed out of my mind, didn't see my kids for a short time, I was about ready to kill myself. You want to know what kept me going? It's by me getting in the word, by praying, by fasting. I know this too real from some of y'all. I know some of y'all have perfect lives. You ain't never been through nothing. But I'm trying to tell you, I've walked through seasons of hell, times I thought of giving up, quitting. There's been times I've wondered even through the years, is it really worth this preaching thing anymore but I keep on going you know what keeps me going it's my faith I've seen God move way too many times in my life to ever doubt or to ever question him again and I believe that God will help me get through anything he's the God of impossibilities Stop making him to be this small little God that can't do nothing in your life. My friends, if you have faith, there is no limit to what God can do. He can heal you of cancer. He can turn your situation around. But now as I get ready to close, I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself and I'm not. But on the last part of my message, I want to ask you this question. It's too real for some people. It makes a lot of Christians uncomfortable. But do you love God unconditionally when you don't get what you want? Some people say, well, God doesn't answer prayer. I disagree. I believe God always answers prayer. Just sometimes the answer is no, and we don't know how to deal with the no. What about that time that I was praying and believing God for faith that he would heal my mom? My mom still went to heaven to be with him. What about those times that you were praying that your parents would work things out, didn't get divorced? They still went through with it anyways. What about those times that you pray and you don't get the answer that you want? I want to ask you, do you still love God in those moments? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew boys. King Nebuchadnezzar being evil built an built a image, an idol. He told everybody, bow down and worship it. They said, no, they didn't. He gave them a second opportunity. So when the music starts playing, bow down and worship my image. They said, no. He got mad and they said, our God will deliver us. But then they said, but even if he does it, we still won't bow down. We have people that walk away from this thing, and I have people tell me this all the time because I'm a preacher. They say, I used to be a Christian. And I'm thinking to myself, did you really used to be? Because maybe if you used to be, maybe if you really were back then, you still would be today. Because I want to ask you, would you still love him if he never does another thing for you, if he never answered another prayer? Don't walk around with this sense of entitlement. God doesn't owe any of you another thing. If he never answered another prayer, never did another thing for you on this earth, he did more than enough by sending his son on Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. We were dirty rotten sinners on our way to hell and that's what we deserve but God loved us enough to send Jesus extended grace and mercy. He doesn't owe you another thing but simply you ought to be thankful that you have life. You ought to be thankful you have breath in your body. You ought to be thankful that you're able to live and to see another day. I don't want to sound insensitive. I don't want to sound mean. I don't want to sound hateful. I don't care what you're going through, what you're facing if everybody's turned their back on you, you still have God and God is still in control. And I'm asking you here tonight, I'm begging with you, I'm pleading with you, not just for this year, but for the rest of your time on this earth, I am asking you to walk by faith and not by sight. Understand, these are not, this is not just spiritual things that I'm talking about. 
Some of you one day when you get out of college, when you get out of high school, maybe some of you in your 20s, God may give you an idea to start some kind of secular business. You may be a multimillionaire one day and you're able to use those funds for the kingdom of God and to touch and bless missionaries and, and, and to reach a lot of people around the world because the money you make from your business. I'm not just talking about things in church or, or spiritual things. I'm talking about anything and everything. If you hear him speak to you, listen and obey and walk by faith and there's no telling what God, excuse me, what God will do. Do you believe that here tonight? If you would, please stand. Amen. It's amazing. Jonathan texted me at 4.15 this afternoon. I wasn't feeling good in bed. I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to preach tonight. I don't have a sermon. I don't have an outline. I don't feel like writing one right now. I'm in bed. I'm staying in bed till the very last minute. And I said, I'm just going to go by faith. You probably think I worked on this sermon a long time, don't you? Truth be told, it's about five minutes. I'm not being lazy. It's not that I don't care. Sometimes you just got to go by faith. You want to know an interesting thing? It's kind of frustrating sometimes, honestly. I'll work on a sermon for weeks, months at a time. I think, man, this is going to be a great one. I go and preach it, and I'm thinking, oh, what was I thinking? That, you know, nobody responds in the altar the whole time I'm preaching. Everybody's doing everything but listening. Even when I'm preaching it and I hear myself saying it, I'm thinking, this don't sound too good. And then there's other times the Holy Spirit, I'll be working on a sermon, pull up in the church parking lot, and he'll give me something and tell me to preach something else. I'm thinking, God, I ain't, I ain't studied that. I ain't worked on it. I got to reread the text because I don't really remember it that well and all this other stuff. And it seems like, honestly, sometimes those are some of the best sermons and some of the best services. Why? Because of just going by faith. Amen. Amen. 